0: Welcome back to SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams. Wanted to get into some preseason power rankings today. We're about midway through spring practice for a lot of programs at this point. Some are approaching their their spring game. But uh, we talked last week about overhyped, dark horse programs. Now it's our chance to to do the hyping, to do the ranking. Uh, we're not going to judge on anybody else's rankings and, and say, oh, this is a dark horse. This team's overhyped. We're we're responsible for the hyping now. So if we overhype somebody, it's on us to feel comfortable having that responsibility.
1: I, I don't see it as much of a responsibility, actually, Blake, because once we do this, we I will forget it almost as as soon as our podcast ends, and then but, we will move on to... Other things, other rankings, predictions.
0: True, and the other thing you like to do, John, is like you know, if you if you overhype someone, then that just that sets you up for saying, well, they didn't live up to expectations, right? They didn't live up to your expectations, even if they were just your expectations.
1: Yes, it doesn't mean I was wrong. It just means they failed terribly. All right. Well, we'll start. How you want to do this? You want to start at the top or the bottom? We know who's at the top and who's at the bottom. So why don't we just go to the second team (laughs) no let's start let's start at the top
0: all right at the top and these are these are our i guess composite rankings john and i discussed these before before the episode here we have some some slight differences in in agreement over a few teams but we we came together made made some compromises and so these are our collective sec football unfiltered power rankings and atop the list Wish I could unveil a surprise here, but I, in good conscience, I I can't do that. I'm okay being a mockery in some things, but I can't. I have limits, and so it's obvious, right? Alabama's not only number one in this SEC power rankings; they're they're number one in the national power rankings. You return your Heisman winner, a quarterback. You return Will Anderson at linebacker. Three talented transfers coming in. I mean, I, I think this Alabama team is is going to be stronger in a lot of areas, maybe with the exception being wide receiver as compared to last year's team.
1: Yeah, and I think it will be stronger at wide receiver based on how the injuries played out And at the end of last season. I think they'll be stronger than they were at the end of last season because that was their downfall against uh, Georgia, those wide receiver injuries.
0: All right, enough said. Alabama's number one. They're going to be the preseason favorite to win the national championship, probably undeniably. I'll be curious to see... When the Associated Press and coaches polls come out, just how many first place votes Alabama is getting? I think they're going to get uh, a large percentage of them, other than the handful of vo- voters that, for whatever reason, feel obligated to vote for the reigning national champion. Which, why you would do that in a preseason poll, I don't know. But people vote for all different kinds of reasons. Speaking of those reigning national champions, we're going with Georgia too. Now, Georgia lost a ton off their championship team. You're going to see Georgia dominate the NFL draft uh, here in a couple months, but really less than a couple months. And and, and I think back to that LSU championship team in 2019, they had a hard time rebounding after they lost so much draft talent from, from their undefeated season. However, it does seem like Georgia's got the next wave of talent coming in yes i mean i don't feel like we're going to see a substantial drop off they're not going to be able to repeat last year's team i really don't think so but i think there's there's talent waiting in
1: the wings what do you think well blake another thing it's it's definitely harder to repeat unless you're alabama it's harder to repeat in the west than it is in the east i mean lsu with all they lost and they had to turn around and beat out alabama to win the division and that's that's really difficult to do, whether you lose a lot of guys or don't lose anybody. Uh, Georgia, the one thing I've noticed about Georgia, I, I don't think it's quite at Alabama's level, but it's close. To the point where you can't really judge the program by how many guys they lost. Because like Alabama, they have backups uh, who are, who could be just as good as as the guys who just departed. Uh, I was thinking about Jordan Davis anchored uh, Georgia's defensive line. He did incredibly well uh, at the NFL combines too. I think he ran a four, seven or four, eight for somebody over 300 pounds. That's pretty remarkable. Admittedly, it didn't seem like he was on the field a lot last year. He, (laughs) he, I kind of question his stamina, but uh, I won't question his ability. Uh, But Jalen Carter returns, and I think he's the best uh, defensive tackle in the SEC, maybe in the country. I mean, he alternated. I wonder if he didn't play more snaps than Jordan Davis did. It seems as though he was always out there. So right away, you talk about the probably based on the NFL draft, that might be the biggest loss. But it's so. I don't think you'll really notice it. Um, you got a lot of promising young linebackers because Georgia's recruited so well. So guys whose names we don't really know could be, you know, we'll know them by halfway through next season, I think.
0: Yeah, It's interesting because you, you look at those losses, you go beyond Jordan Davis. I mean, they lost a ton of, of talented guys in linebacking core, N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, but you know there's that next wave of highly recruited, highly touted guys ready to step up. I mean, Nolan Smith is a little bit more of a known commodity, but and you have Smale Munden. Um, he's going to get a, a bigger opportunity this year. and so, yeah, I think with Georgia, so much of of it is belief in in what um, what's around the corner for them. You haven't seen it so much, whereas I think Alabama returns more proven commodities, and that's why they have the top spot on this list. Does it concern you at all, John, that Georgia really didn't do anything in the transfer portal? I mean, Alabama, they're not, they're not contending for the Ole Miss title of portal king. They're not doing what, you know, first year coach like Brian Kelly is doing and loading up with transfers left and right. But Alabama got three high impact starters in the portal. Georgia didn't really do anything in the portal.
1: No, you're right, and and I think Alabama might still be number one if it hadn't done so well in the portal, though. There's still that possibility, but Jameer Gibbs, a running back from Georgia Tech, and Eli Ricks, a cornerback from LSU, could be a preseason All-American. So, uh, yeah, there's they real Alabama really helped itself in the transfer portal. And Georgia, I thought, could have helped itself. Uh, at wide receiver. I think it's fine at running back. Uh, and I think it's got plenty of depth on defense. So the next wave of guys will come in and, and probably excel. But I thought Georgia could, still needs a little help at wide receiver.
0: Um, yeah. Especially cause they gave up Jermaine Burton to, to Alabama.
1: Yeah, that was, I was trying to think of the wide receivers. It was too obvious. I overlooked it. Yeah. Jermaine <laughs> Burton goes from Georgia. To Alabama, I don't think he's as good as Alabama's best wide receivers in the last few years. It's had a lot of them, but he's still pretty good. And um, I think with Georgia, one other thing that is sort of like getting a transfer is Eric Gilbert. I mean, what do you make of him being out there again? I mean, he's who knows from day to day where he's going or <laughs> We're, so you certainly can't project. Well, he'll be playing for Georgia in the fall. That's way too long with him. He's kind of day-to-day guy, I think. Yeah, I
0: know Gilbert. It's like will he play tight end? Will he play wide receiver? There's some debate there. But if you consider him a tight end, I mean, think about that: Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert as has, has uh, Georgia's two tight ends. You'd be hard pressed to find a, another two tight end combo better than better than those two.
1: Yeah, Brock Bowers is really like – he's one of those guys where he's whatever he wants to be. I mean, you can put him at wide receiver. You probably could put him in running back and handing the ball. He really break, breaks a lot of tackles. And I didn't realize how fast he was until about midseason when he was just parting secondaries and nobody seems to be able to catch the guy. So, yeah, but I, I feel pretty good about – those first two picks, Blake, Alabama and Georgia, and we didn't have any, I think we should point out that if Congress could compromise and go back and forth and, and decide on an issue as well as we did country would be in a lot better shape because we did that with some of these teams, but the first two Alabama and Georgia, no, that's just, there's no arguing with that. I don't think. Well, go
0: ahead and get your campaign signs ready. Adams top 2024 number three on the list now we we had a little more debate over this spot but it was almost like they won by default we couldn't come up with any better anybody better anybody we like more for this number three spot and so it's texas a&m john put me at ease here tell me that because it was a week ago i said a&m is going to be the most overhyped team in the sec and here we are hyping them up number three and <laughs> number three in the power rankings Put me, give me some ease, put my mind at ease here. Make me, make me think we're not overdoing it with the Aggies at number three.
1: Well, I think it would be overhyped if we said Texas A&M was going to win the SEC and been in college football playoff. We're saying A&M is the third best team in the SEC and these power ratings. And I don't have a problem with that. Yes, it had substantial losses, but we know how well Jimbo is recruited there. Uh, and it's got some key players back. I think it will be will be much better off at quarterback than it was last year with Zach Galzada, who has since transferred twice. And, and I bet after spring practice at Auburn, he'll be headed somewhere else. So we know they recruited well. So I, I just think A&M, I, when I look down the list, who would you put above them?
0: Yeah, and that's that's why they are where they are. And I guess the one thing you can say about A&M is really the biggest thing they were missing last year is, is better quarterback play. And they stand to, to get that this year, whether that's in the form of LSU transfer Max Johnson, whether it's in Haynes King back from injury, I think I'd ride with either of those guys more so than, than Zach Calzada, who to his credit, you know, helped engineer an upset over Alabama and, and stepped up at a time where they needed him to, but just just looking at, you know, talent, I would rather have Johnson or, or Haynes King. And so yeah, they lost a lot of a lot of guys, but you mentioned the recruiting. If some of those freshmen can step in and play immediately, well that makes me feel a little bit better about that number three spot. Now, number four. This is me going out on on my own almost here, John. You 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 offered one of those compromises you talked about and allowed me to position Arkansas has number four on the on our power rankings here. You know I'm really high on KJ Jefferson. I think he's um, he's right up there with with will rogers. they're They're the two most underrated quarterbacks, I think in the SEC. Part of that I think, is because they play in smaller media markets. Both those guys do. but you know you you mentioned that Arkansas lost some guys in the transfer portal to LSU in particular. I like what Arkansas brought in and linebacker and, and Drew Sanders, a defensive back, and, and Dwight McLaughlin um, and, and several other guys, really. Jaden Hazelwood, a wide receiver. And I just I like the continuity on the staff. I think they have good coordinators there and Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles. They got the continuity at, at quarterback. And, you know, I think there was a time where we thought last year maybe Arkansas is just a, a flash in the pan. A uh, good story for September, and they're going to fade. But that really didn't happen. I guess um, my opinion of Arkansas was boosted by what I saw down the stretch. They they gave Alabama all they could handle in a in a close loss. They beat Missouri decisively. They beat Penn State in the bowl game, and yeah, I think they bring enough back that I feel good putting them number four.
1: Blake, it wasn't that long ago when Arkansas was one on one of those marathon losing streaks in the conference. That now fittingly goes to Vanderbilt, which I mean, who was president the last time the uh, Vanderbilt won an SEC game? Now it, it's not that long ago, but you know, when you get into twenty-plus uh, consecutive SEC losses, that gets your attention. That's what's impressed me about so much about Arkansas and Sam Pittman. People talk about a stat, you have to establish a culture. We we didn't hear about this culture ten years ago, but it's become a buzzword. You've got to establish a winning culture. You know, you just got to win. You, you, however you do it, you need to win. But Sam Pittman didn't really take that take that long. His first season wasn't great from a one loss perspective, but Arkansas was competitive right away. Lost some close games. He made some key, some key additions. For a guy who's never been a head coach, he just seems to know what he's doing and what it takes to, to run a program. He was a head honcho of an offensive line. That's a big deal in terms of a managerial role to go from that to you're over an entire program. And he, he, seem, he seems really comfortable in that role to me, like he's been doing it for a long time he does
0: and I think fit is a little bit overrated when it comes to to coaches it, you know, your geographic background your personality doesn't they don't matter that much if you're winning games but I don't think it's worthless I think f- fit means something and and I think Sam Pittman in Arkansas I mean it just he really couldn't draw up a, a better fit than that I mean now he's got have you seen this John he's got these the hog statues on his property one of them's like a fountain he he lit up the hogs after uh after Arkansas men's basketball and and fired up the fountain after Arkansas men's basketball made it to the lead eight. I mean, I, I know coaches all the time just do stuff like this to make it seem like they're going to be there for the rest of their life. And they couldn't be happier there. If they could live anywhere in the world, this is where they want to live. Yeah. But you know, Sam Pittman, like it's actually believable. You know, I mean, he he went to college at Pitt State in Kansas. He's from Oklahoma originally. I mean, Arkansas. It just it feels like he should be the head coach at arkansas and being an offensive line guy you know and your mascots the, the razorbacks the hogs i mean it's just a perfect
1: fit he can put on a hog hat one of those razorback hog hats that look ridiculous on most people and you say yeah it looks pretty good you know you could you could bump into him in a walmart in fayetteville you could bump into him and think nothing of it he could be getting some power tools or i mean he just fits right in and you know, I thought Brett Bielema, a few coaches ago, was a pretty good fit at Arkansas. Big guy, loved the offensive line. I thought that might work out. It didn't. And then, uh, well, we won't even talk about Chad Morris. That he didn't. He he's a math teacher. So I, you know, I I just he didn't he didn't uh, a hog hat didn't fit him.
0: Talk about who a hog hat wouldn't fit is next on this list. Your guy, Brian Kelly, John, coming in at number fifth. Number five, the LSU Tigers, the dancing man, the faux Southern accent. You're a believer in Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers, despite his questionable dance moves he's been using to try to lure in recruits.
1: Yeah, it really cringeworthy watching him dance. Uh, Accent, cringe again, just a total fake as a human being, but he's won me over with the way he's restructured that roster, the transfers. He's got some really high level transfers. I, I No way I would have had LSU this high without the transfer portal. It changed my mind about how good the team will be. And it changed my mind about how good Brian Kelly might be at LSU. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean,
0: I, and if you look at Brian Kelly's track record, he's won everywhere he's been. Now, I made the point after the hire that he's lost almost all of his biggest games at those past stops. But, you know, the totality of resume is really good with Brian Kelly. I don't think there's any question that this guy can coach, and I don't think there's there's much question that he's going to have a higher talent level than he's probably ever had before in his career. Not that I think the narrative that you can't recruit to Notre Dame is is way overblown. It's not true. It's a national brand. Yes, they have, you know, higher academic standards than maybe some schools do, but you absolutely can recruit at a high level at Notre Dame. That's that's an excuse that doesn't hold up to me. But LSU's got one of the best scenarios in the country in that there's so much talent in that part of the country, and, and it's the only Power Five program in its own state. And so once he gets that humming, you know, I, I really think we could see where this goes. But in the meantime, I agree. He's done a great job of of using transfers. And he said this at the onset. Like he you know, some coaches are almost sheepish about having to use the transfer portal. Brian Kelly said in an interview on ESPN shortly after he was hired, it was actually during their bowl game. He wasn't coaching in it. He was spectating. So he spent some time in the, the ESPN booth and and he said, We're gonna go heavy on transfers because you have to, to bridge the gap. And and that's one way to do it as a new coach until you can get your own recruiting class in there. I think he's done a really good job. I, I'm impressed with how much he's stocked up that quarterback room without losing anybody. And I know things could evolve here. Guys can hop into the portal at any time, but bringing in Jaden Daniels, who has starting experience, multiple years of starting experience from Arizona State, he was able to get Miles Brennan back into the fold. He kept Garrett Nussmeyer around, and then he's got the, the, the freshman, the highly touted freshman, Walker Howard, coming in. So I think overall sometimes we award like off-season grades as if they matter that they don't, you don't win, uh, you don't step on the field in the off-season, but I think Brian Kelly's done it about as well as you could here. in in his first off-season as a new coach,
1: Blake, I also think it, the way he's, he's managed the program in his brief time there tells you he knows where he is. This isn't a startup problem, a program. You don't go to LSU and talk about, well, when I get all my players in here that have fit my system, we're going to be pretty good. I think we can, you know, ex- we expect to challenge for championships here, but it won't happen overnight. No, at LSU, it's supposed to happen overnight. Whether that's fair or reasonable, never mind. It, it, they just have that kind of talent. And even in a bad year, even in a bad year, when you look at LSU, there was still some talented players out there. Things just didn't seem to click. There were crucial injuries. This shows, to me, it tells me that Brian Kelly knows that he's got really high expectations and he's embracing those expectations. I mean, I, I, I hate sounding so complimentary because I've never been a big fan of Brian Kelly. I just, he's one of those guys on the sidelines kind of rubbed me the wrong way just uh and then when he gets in the big game say against Alabama it just gets absolutely steamrolled however I give him his due he's doing a really good job there so far
0: speaking of doing a pretty good job so far comes to number six on our power rankings list we have Tennessee checking in at that spot under second year coach Josh Heupel the Vols overall I think Exceeded a little bit the expectations for Hypel's first season. He kept the staff largely intact. He's got starting quarterback Hendon Hooker coming back. He's got to plug some holes on defense. That defense was exposed in a bowl game loss to Purdue. In particular, the secondary was suspect in that game. But overall, seems like Tennessee is in pretty good shape here entering year
1: two under Heupel. One of the things that impressed me most, most about Heupel, Blake, was that when he came in there, he's a he's a coach you can win with on game day. I don't think there are a lot of great game day coaches. The great coaches are really good in recruiting, really good in preparation, but on game day, things happen in the heat of battle. The game plan doesn't work. Somebody gets hurt, whatever, And and I just thought what he did offensively, I mean, nobody looked going into last season. Nobody looked at Tennessee's roster and said, "Oh my goodness, this offense could score forty points a game." No, nobody. I don't think saw that kind of potential. There was no, there was no proven running back. You weren't certain about quarterback, uh, offensive line. You name it, and he just put it all together. And and what we and we've talked about this a number of times is. You match him up against average, mediocre-type teams, mid-level conference teams, they just can't seem to handle his offense. They can't seem to handle that up-tempo offense that he puts out there. And his receivers always look open. That's the main thing that impresses me about Josh Heupel. There's always one or two guys just running open in the secondary.
0: Yeah, I think he makes things really... I guess easy for his quarterbacks. His quarterbacks have a lot of control in his offense, but he puts them in position to succeed. I don't think that the offense is very fast. It's up tempo. It puts defenses into conflict, but I don't think it's it's so complicated that quarterbacks can't figure it out. It puts them in position to make plays, and and the defense is on its heels. and And the best part for Tennessee this year is it knows who its quarterback is. You know, they were kind of stumbling around last year with Joe Milton out of the gates which is a criticism of Hypo. He picked the wrong quarterback off the bat, but he was willing to correct his error. He changed. He went to and Hooker early in the season and now the Vols know who their starting quarterback is and and Hooker looked really good in in year 1 under Hypole and I have no reason to think he won't be just as good in in year 2. Now,
1: yeah. Tennessee Turner's 15 starters, so that I think that's a fair ranking. I don't think we argued too much about that.
0: Now, a program that's adjusting to a lot of new starters, including at at quarterback, Ole Miss. Now, we are buying the belief that uh, the portal king and Lane Kiffin is going to be able to to smooth all this out. He's going to take all this transfer talent he's added and turn this into a good product. We have the, we have the Rebels at number seven, and I think so much of that, right, John, is based on the way they've added transfers, led by Jackson Dart, the quarterback from Southern Cal.
1: Yes, and running backs from TCU and SMU. They will – uh, Ole Miss lost three running backs, good running backs, and so they bring in two really good ones um, to make up for that. This is a good example of how good the SEC is. When we're talking about Ole Miss. Is, uh, I mean, we have high expectations for Ole Miss. We think they'll be pretty good, and we have them seventh. But the seventh-best team team in this league is usually really good.
0: Do you have any concerns with Ole Miss at wide receiver? I mean, I I still wonder about quarterback. I think Matt Corral is going to prove to be one of the hardest guys to replace in college football. He was just so good, so impactful for that team. And Jackson Dart might be fine. He might be a good player. I still don't know that he's going to give you what Corral gave you. But even saying Jackson Dart's going to be a good addition. What about a wide receiver? Because as you mentioned, at running back, they they reloaded pretty well, led by Zach Evans, the TCU transfer. But at receiver, I don't know. I, I guess I have a little bit more questions about that, and that's you know such an important role in, in that offense.
1: That's fair, I, and that was one of the reasons I was so impressed with what Matt Corral did last year. I would have put – he was my number one quarterback. If I'm an NFL franchise out of this class, that's who I would pick. The pros don't agree with me, but what do they know? But Matt Corral, he never had his starting receiving core intact. Somebody was always hurt. Yeah, very early in the season
0: he did, and yeah. that's when we saw them playing, Corral playing at his highest level, I think. But even after those injuries, he was still still doing he it He was still
1: well. really good. He made do, so maybe Ole Miss can make do again. I think we put uh, – Lane Kiffin and, and Josh Heupel kind of in the same group, completely different personalities, but both really good with offense and both coaches who can make a difference on game day.
0: All right, number eight on the list, John. If if Arkansas's quote-unquote, my team for 2022, I feel like number eight on our list is your team for 2022, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Those are those are your guys. Why'd you <laughs> want them here? You probably want, you wanted them higher on the list, but here yeah, they are at number eight.
1: Maybe a little bit, but yeah, I really like, um, and, and then it's, this is another great example of how easily I can change horses in the middle of a race. I mean, I thought South Carolina would be awful last year in preseason. Thought it was awful at mid season. And then I was saying, yeah. I don't know, this this Beamer guy might be pretty good.
0: Yeah, you were making fun of Shane Beamer some of his post-game antics as yeah. recently as like last, what, mid-October? It, it was Late like a,
1: a family reunion on the football field. Uh, I mean, yeah, everybody's out there. Um, But I, I do think spe- getting Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma to me just come... If you took every position in the SEC... With every team, nobody made as much of an improvement as South Carolina did at quarterback. My gosh, he was playing a coaxed graduate assistant out of retirement to play quarterback last year. Luke Doty got hurt early on, but he's a runner. I don't know if he can throw the ball well enough to be a successful SEC quarterback, But South Carolina, and that to me was the biggest surprise of all these transfers. Who would have ever thought Spencer Rattler, he could have gone anywhere. Did he go to South Carolina? He did have a connection with Shane Beamer being on that staff with Lincoln Riley. But I just think that makes all the difference in the world. It's got a lot of experienced offensive linemen. They haven't played great, but they're at least experienced. I think the wide receivers, the receivers, tight end included, are pretty good, and the defense could be okay. So I'm fine with, with South Carolina. I don't think they're overhyped at eighth in the conference. That actually puts them in the second division. It's true. The maybe, maybe
0: they're still underrated. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing with South Carolina is when you think about, A, the way they finish the season, bowl games have a tendency to linger in our minds and probably play an outsized role in our projections for the following season. But uh, they performed really well in, in getting that Duke's Mayo bowl win over North Carolina. So that's number one. Number two, you know, you hit on there with quarterbacks. It's not just that they added a really high impact transfer quarterback. It's comparing that to what came before him. You know, the fact that South Carolina won seven games last year using three different starting quarterbacks, None of whom really should be a starting quarterback in the SEC. I don't believe, like you said, one guy was a graduate transfer, uh, not a graduate transfer player, or excuse me, a graduate assistant coming into to last season that they took off the coaching staff and, and put in uniform in Zeb Nolan. So it really is kind of remarkable that they they got to seven wins last year, and now you you add an upgrade like Spencer Rattler. I I do think, um, you know, kidding aside, that they are they are worthy of your your lofty. Uh, preseason hype there but moving on to number nine now if arkansas is my dark horse to watch this is probably my secondary dark horse to watch wrote a column about him recently mississippi state nobody's really talking about the bulldogs i don't feel like entering mike leach's third season despite the fact that they return eight starters on both sides of the ball i mean really in terms of production they bring back as more than anybody in, in the sec Third-year starting quarterback and Will Rogers. If you look back at Mike Leach's tenure at Texas Tech, it really started to elevate in year three. Had a nine-win season in year three under third-year starting quarterback Cliff Kingsbury. So with a third-year starting quarterback and Will Rogers, I don't know. I like the uh, I like uh, Mississippi State to be flying under the radar a little bit, and I like him enough to to really make a, an argument for him to be number nine here on our power, power rankings
1: you can certainly make a case for that. I just think with Mike Leach, there's always a cloud of uncertainty with him. He's always going to lose a game or
0: two that you just, he shouldn't.
1: Yeah. That Memphis game last year, granted they, they got the shaft on an officiating call, but still Mississippi state shouldn't, you can't cut it that close against Memphis to come down to a call. Um, uh, then again, you almost expect him to beat somebody he's not supposed to be. I mean, it just happens all the time with him. Uh, I do think familiarity with his system helps, and probably familiarity with him. He's not your standard coaching personality. He's really an off-the-wall kind of guy when you look at the coaching fraternity and what you expect. I don't think any of those players on this roster – they weren't recruited by him, think, oh, yeah, Mike Leach, yeah, he's kind of what I always thought a football coach would be. I don't think people say that about Mike Leach, and he's certainly a good coach. You can't deny that. It's his record at Washington State and Texas Tech, places where you don't have the most talent, yet he still won with those programs. So I don't have a problem with putting Mississippi State where you did. I know you're high on him, but uh, you may be, well be right.
0: And if not, then they just didn't live up to my expectations. It's not yeah, my fault, would, right?
1: No, it's all new.
0: Number ten on the list, John, as we approach our, our final five here. And it's interesting that <laughs> that this team could could fall to number ten on our on our list when viewed through the lens of, of last season. A, a pretty good year for Kentucky last year. Won ten games. Started off red hot going into that game against Georgia. But suffered a, three losses of starters up front on the offensive line. So important for any program, but really important for Kentucky. Really on both sides of the ball, they got to readdress their their lines. So I don't know that there's really a knock on
1: Kentucky. I just
0: I, I worry about what they have to replace up up front. Um,
1: and so we got a number number ten here. I thought it was a huge uh, huge surprise for Kentucky when Chris Rodriguez. One of the SEC's best running backs returned. I had no idea. I, I would have never dreamed he would come back. He's a running back. You got a, a short career life at, at that position, but he's sticking around Kentucky. These these players seem to like playing for Mark Stoops. They also return DeAndre Square at linebacker. I expected he would be gone. Another linebacker. So they're really good at linebacker again. I really wonder about the depth in their defensive front. But Blake, I know we went back and forth on Kentucky and on a lot of other teams. But if you go from we've got Kentucky at tenth and we got Arkansas at four, I mean, is there really a huge difference in all those teams? I mean, there could be a lot of movement depending on injuries, guys we don't know about come to the forefront. It's it's that can be misleading to say, well, Kentucky's the tenth best team in the league. I think that's a great point.
0: You know, we both felt pretty strongly, in who should be one and who should be two. And I think as we get down to it, we both felt pretty comfortable about who should be the bottom three teams on this list. I think as you go from, I'd I'd really even go up to number three, all the way up to Texas A and M. When you look from three to eleven, I think there could be a lot of reordering of a couple spots in any direction of these power rankings. And I think you know the eleven, the number eleven team on our list, as we're going to get to next could beat a team much, much higher on this list, not Alabama, not Georgia necessarily, but up to three, four, five on our power rankings. And and vice versa. You know, I, I think there is I know parity is such a buzzword, but I do think, you know, when you look from like team three to team eleven in the SEC this year, if you're to combine the divisions as we're doing and look at it as one holistic conference, there's there could be a lot of jockeying, a lot of parody. So let's get on to number eleven. Billy Napier's Florida Gators. Another first year coach. We don't view him as highly as we did LSU. LSU all the way up at number five in our rankings. But Florida at number 11, Anthony Richardson back at quarterback. I didn't think Dan Mullen used him all that well at times. He got hurt. New coach. I don't know. I, I like I like Richardson's talent, but is there enough there? I know Napier's brought in some, some transfers we've talked about before, brought in a couple guys with him from, from Louisiana. How do you feel about the Gators?
1: Well, Anthony Richardson, he's a highlight waiting to happen, but you can't, you can't manufacture a highlight when you're not playing. And and he was injured last spring. He had two different injuries in the fall. So how can you count on him? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised that midway through the season that the Ohio state transfer Jack Miller is a quarterback. Um, because
0: of injury, you think, or or you just think lack of production or.
1: Probably injury. I mean, I saw Richardson make several plays that I'm not sure anybody else in the league could have made. He's really talented. He's, he's like, kind of like a great racehorse who, who just, he's always got a tweaked ankle or maybe they didn't give him enough cortisone or injection or something. No, it's probably not a good example, but. I just think he's a really talented player, and, and he was so much fun to watch, and then he he's just kind of a shooting star, and then he's gone. Maybe that was an aberration. If he comes back healthy and stays healthy, Florida won't be the 11th best team in the SEC. Yeah,
0: and there also just some seemed like something got off about Florida last year. I mean, you think about it. You know, they beat Tennessee handily in late – September. I know it was one game, but it was shortly after that the wheels just fell off and it is hard to figure out exactly why. I didn't think, you know, the team was that bad. You know, whether things just got out of whack with Dan Mullen couldn't get back together, whether it's team chemistry, I don't know. Um, you know, the quarterback production was, was sporadic with Emory Jones being an inconsistent player and then the injuries to Anthony Richardson. It seemed like something was off about Florida in the last, you know, half of the Half of the season, maybe it's as simple as getting a new coach in there can help that. But I I still think it'll probably take some time uh, to re-elevate the Florida program to to where it needs to be. Because I I don't think that Florida's done as much through transfers. They've done okay, but they haven't done as much as, say, programs like Ole Miss or LSU.
1: The thing, when I look at Florida, what really strikes me when I look at the different areas of the team, it's got some good players still. But what area of that team do you think would look at and say, boy, they'll be really good there. They'll be really good in the defensive line or linebacker or wide receiver, running back. There's no area that really sticks out to to me with them. That's and, a great- and that's why I would – That that's why I wouldn't have – I'd have them right behind Kentucky. That That's why.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, you usually want to look to, to one or two or three things – on your team and say, I know we're going to be able to hang our hat on that. And I Mm -hmm. just don't see that with any level of certain doesn't mean they don't have talent, but there's, there's not really any particular position group that I think they're going to be loaded at that spot. Our bottom three teams. We're going to look at these collectively, John, because we didn't really have much debate about putting these three at the bottom. Maybe you could tweak the order a little bit, but we have Missouri at 12, Auburn at 13, Vanderbilt, at 14. Do you feel like any of those teams, and I talked about three to 11, you know, I could see any of those, those teams maybe making a rise, making a fall. Are we in danger of missing on any of these three teams? If, if we are, which of these three maybe is, is being most undervalued, who has the highest potential of the Missouri Auburn Vanderbilt contingent?
1: I mean, if you want to go with Auburn simply because of its tradition, but I look at its quarterbacks, I look at Brian Horson's and uh, <laughs> the the very tepid vote of confidence he got from the administration. Well, we're not going to fire him. Okay? That's the nicest thing Auburn could say about its first-year coach. Well, we're not going to fire him. Cost too much. Okay? Quite an endorsement. Yeah. Well, Vanderbilt, of course, no potential. I, I was ranking uh, – the SEC East spot position group, groups of, for some stories that will run later this spring, and I had Vanderbilt last in every position. Every position nowhere to go group. but up. Nowhere to go but up. So yeah, and, and I guess Missouri. I mean that's, and we kid a lot about you thinking Missouri could have been a dark dark horse last year, but to me the most surprising thing about Missouri last year, going into the season. I thought, well, I'm not so sure about this team. We talk about position groups. I thought it would be really good in the defensive line. A lot of experience there. Had a new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who is now an ex-defensive coordinator, as he should have been, but he left. He wasn't fired. Back to the NFL where his lack of expertise can be hidden. Um, But I, I just thought Missouri failed terribly. They couldn't stop the run you you can't stop the run in this league you got you got serious problems so uh yeah i feel pretty good about those last three picks i probably i feel as good about the last three picks as i do about our first two i do too and the only thing i'd waffle at
0: is maybe maybe auburn 12 missouri 13 we were kind of quickly uh quickly just decided that i don't even know how we how we did it <laughs> But with Missouri, it's like yeah, they had one real good thing going for them last year in Tyler Beatty. Well, he's gone, so huh, I don't know what there is to feel good about right now, other than when you're going to have a different quarterback. Don't know if it's going to be better, but it's going to be going to be different. What do you think, John? Should we should we flip those in the power rankings? I'm I'm willing to be malleable and change my opinion here in mid podcast. I'm starting to think I'm going to put Auburn over Missouri. What do you think? Should we stick to it?
1: I can offer some more compelling evidence for that: uh, the bowl game, watching Army of all teams go the length of the field for a game-winning field goal in the last minute and a half. I mean, that just doesn't happen with its run-oriented offense. And Missouri was had already celebrated the victory prematurely, as it turned out, and they didn't celebrate Army's last drive. So if you want to put Auburn ahead of Missouri, I don't have a problem with that.
0: Yeah, Auburn was pretty lousy in their their bowl game, too. But you know what? I, just thinking about it, who has the best player on either of these teams? Tank Biggs being Auburn, right? He's the best player when you just look at each team top to bottom.
1: Yes? Give the, give the edge
0: to the team with the best player?
1: Could he do as much for Auburn, though, as Tyler Beatty did for Missouri last year?
0: Probably not, but Tyler Beatty's not there anymore. <laughs> well, if Tyler Beatty thinking, was back in Missouri. I, I, I had no question.
1: Well, we, we I guess Missouri, uh, when you think about it, it still wound up in a bowl game last year.
0: Well, so did do you
1: think Auburn. Do you think Auburn will be in a bowl game this year?
0: Well, but it's not about that, John. Auburn's playing in the West and Missouri's in the East. <laughs> Our power rankings here are top to bottom. We're not. Projecting okay. Well, wind let, let's move We're projecting power. Missouri.
1: I'll do that on my notepad, and it doesn't work out. We will. deny we know. ever made we this? Change. Probably won't come back to it, but it just won't work out.
0: We'll come back to this podcast in a couple weeks. We're on vacation next week, taking a, a little breather, and then we'll be back at you after that. Catch up then. Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football and Phil